We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Also, last week we rolled out a special Facebook group focused on St. Louis on the Air. If Facebook is your preferred social media platform and St. Louis on the Air your go-to talk show, this new group is a great place for you to join our conversation. Search St. Louis on the Air on Facebook to request membership in the group and get started engaging with other fans of the show as well as our production team. Now, back with our tasteful final segment, looking for someplace new to dine or imbibe, we have some new ideas for you. When I say we, I mean the folks from Sauce Magazine. With us in studio to help you find new spaces for new experiences, Heather Hughes, managing editor of Sauce Magazine, and Matt Sorrell, featured writer for the magazine. Heather and Matt, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, thanks for having us. Well, let's get started. Matt, I understand you're first up with a new place. Yes, uh, the place I'm going to talk to you about is Savage. So they just opened up uh, about middle of last month at uh, 2655 Ann Avenue in Fox Park. Um, and so it's a very interesting concept. So the chef owner is Logan Ely, and he made waves last year um, by doing a series of pop-up events, very underground, secretive um, events, where he just did um, a t- small tasting menu uh, but of just really interesting dishes. I mean, he kind of got uh, famous for using you know, insects in some of the dishes, locally for- a lot of locally foraged ingredients, um, really interesting and creative techniques in this very small space with uh, just a couple people helping. So this is his uh, legit <laughs> restaurant, if you will. Uh, it's in an old uh, market that uh, is right there on the corner of Ann uh, Avenue. And uh, actually, it doesn't have much signage. It still has the old market sign up there, so it's a little nondescript outside. Uh, but you go inside, there's about 20 seats. Uh, they surround an open kitchen, and you can see Logan and his crew uh, working, creating everything. Uh, they do a multi-course snack menu, a six-course tasting menu, and then a 12-course tasting menu. Uh, so you have your choice, um, very affordably priced, uh, especially for, for, for what it is. And um, they they change constantly, so there's no set menu. It kind of depends on what they can get in at any one time. When I went there recently, they had a, this. A, it was a yeast mousse with a little bit of preserved onion and radish on top, which was delicious. Uh, He also did like a milk sorbet with local milk and some brown sugar and some barley crumbles on top. I'm not a big dessert guy, but this was a really nice, really nice dessert. Very creative. Uh, There's a small patio out back also uh, where they do uh, beer and wine service between 2 and 5 o'clock. So dinner is usually 5 to 9. They're open four days a week, Thursday through um, uh, Sunday. No, no insects this time. Huh? No, not well. But he he may. Um, that's one of the things I think that was a double edged sword for him because he got known for doing the insects. But he actually used them in a really interesting and judicious way. It wasn't for the shock value of here's a cricket on a plate. Um, and so uh, I think he he probably will probably do some of that again. But I think he does want to get pigeonholed as the insect guy. Yeah, well, insects very high in protein. A lot of people across the world, around the world, absolutely, yeah, it's, eat them. Any significance to the name Savage? Well, it, what that name basically uh, is trying to convey, according to, to, to Logan, is uh, sort of like the primal aspect of what he's doing. Because a lot of things are foraged, a lot of things like we were talking about insects, you know, things that are a little bit more primal in their nature. Uh, the techniques used are minimum, so you're not going to have like you know uh, a creme brulee or you're going to you know something that's been in the oven for five hours. Um, but so, he does do a lot with fermentation. Absolutely. And the 
it's interesting. It's a juxtaposition for me for um, that name of primitive savage, whatever. Um, and then looking at his food, which is they're tiny works of art. It's the plating that he has is really interesting. Um, he works with local ceramicists, and I know when he was doing his square one project dinners, he would use like um, driftwood and then place mm. things on top of it. Um, so. He's a, he's a really interesting guy. His food, you'll hear those list of ingredients, and sometimes if it's like ants, it might not mm. sound very appetizing. But every bite is is really unique. It is, it's much more of a sort of um, artistic experience of eating. It's not just going somewhere to get a burger or something. You're, you're there for the aesthetic, um, visual, uh, all of the senses are engaged kind of a thing. Presentation yeah. counts for a lot. Yeah, Absolutely. it's just beautiful. And the, um, like Matt said, the price is really unique for that kind of um, dining mm. experience. Okay, well, let's move on to uh, King uh, Crab Kings, I should say. <laughs> Switch gears a bit. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about crab, crab Kings for a second. This is actually a Texas-based franchise that opened on Del Mar um, in the city at 5860 Del Mar. Um, it's the kind of place you go for a giant platter of, sh- of shrimp and crab and lobster. Um, we got the crab and shrimp platter, which comes with two clusters of snow crab legs, six shrimp, and it's on this just huge pile of potatoes. Um, and it comes with one corn cob, one hard-boiled egg, and one spicy sausage link. Um, and then you get to choose your flavor of butter. My favorite was the Cajun. It's kind of spicy, but not too spicy, really flavorful. Um, and the thing that made this stand out to me was that if you're throwing a big pile of food together, um, usually I'm a little wary that everything's going to be cooked properly for the thing that it is. Mm-hmm. And the crab legs were super tender, really flavorful and good. Um, and the shrimp were really silky, not just little rubber nubs in a mm-hmm. pool of butter. Um, so that was really good. And the potatoes were awesome. I really liked that sausage link um, uh I think I, I don't know what the flavors were, but it was spicy and not just from the Cajun yeah, it was butter. Really it was yeah. great. Um, yeah. So pretty simple uh, and yeah, pretty affordable too for a pile of crab legs. And it's challenging bringing in food like this, uh, crab legs and shrimp from someplace else. Obviously, you don't get them from the Mississippi, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a, a bit of an overhead there, but they they seem to be doing a really good job. Great, great. Mm-hmm. What else have we got? Um, I'll, I'll talk about Jerk Soul, another smaller uh, restaurant. This is a tiny carryout-only spot in North City. Um, and I, I didn't know much about it going in, trying the place. Uh, but I was really blown away by the, the level of Caribbean food that they're putting out. They have, obviously, jerk chicken. Um, but my favorite thing was a curry chicken. It's a deeply flavorful coconut milk broth. It's much more, like, earthy and savory than if you think of, like, Thai coconut broth curries. It's not like that. It's really dark and good. Um, they also have a bone-in oxtail that has a really velvety, much darker sauce. It's great. And then they, they have some fusion specials of uh, jerk chicken Philly, jerk chicken pizza, <clears throat> jerk chicken nachos, and jerk chicken uh, loaded fries. It's really fun, fun menu. Um, and then really, really classic and delicious sides, the uh, braised cabbage, a really good mac and cheese, um, rice and peas and stuff like that. I wonder how many Americans really have a taste for curry. I love it. And, of course, it's a staple in Indian food. Yeah. But I wonder just how many people like it. I, I think 
more and more. <laughs> uh, there are so many different kinds. Yeah, too. I think it's, a, it's less a matter of like if they like it, if it's just getting to try it. Once they try it, I think they'll, yeah. they'll like it. But like so many things, it just takes that jump to you know give it a shot and see what you think. When you have the flavor profiles that you like, like somebody who loves an Indian curry wouldn't necessarily like a Thai curry, mm. something like that. That's right. There, there, it is different. Mm-hmm. It can be different. Absolutely. Already, I, I, with a name like Yellow Belly, it's got to be good. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, and so, uh, just uh, full disclosure, I actually uh, bartend at Yellow Belly. So several nights a week, so please come down and say hi to me. Makes Sunday it even Tuesday. better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, so Yellow Belly opened uh, mid-September uh, down in the Central West End, and um, it made a lot of news because um, it uh, they partnered uh, Tim Wiggins and Travis Howard, who are the uh, uh, owners, and uh, Tim also does the beverage uh, side of things over there. Um, they had uh, partnered up with uh, Richard Blaze, who is a, a TV chef. Everybody knows him from me, one top chef. Uh, so he helped create the Yellow Belly menu. He uh, still uh, helps consult, and then he also helped staff the the kitchen crew. Uh, so it's what we say is like it's island inspired. It's not tiki. It's not Hawaiian. But the food and drink are both inspired by islands, and it could be in the Caribbean, and it could be in the Polynesian islands, uh, any place like that. Um, very casual setting, but very high end execution. The m- menu very heavy on seafood. Uh, that's the, the the main selling point. Uh, most of the cocktails are rum-based of various types, and we also have a really large selection of rums as well. Uh, people just want like a, a pour just to taste what uh, the variety of rums that are out there. Rum. Right. <laughs> I'm thinking pirates. Yeah. Right. Well, I have to say, we don't just like it because Matt works there. This is some of the best cocktails in the city. Um, Tim Wiggins, we've had on before. He's he's really great. Um, does a really amazing job balancing flavors using a lot of ingredients. And we had a whole feature um, in our drinking guide about the cocktail program at Yellow Belly and how it's sort of the the new way of tiki. It's not tiki, like Matt said, but it's sort of the next step. Uh, clean flavors, more simple stirred cocktails, but still with those um, like Polynesian influences. Uh, tropical flavors. It's really good. What makes right. a good bartender, man? Um, I think, if, in my opinion, you don't have to be the most creative, uh, and you don't have to be uh, have the most spirits knowledge. Um, well, you have to show up on time, uh, and uh, which is number one, which is a big challenge, actually. Um, but I think it's the the ability to multitask because that's all you do all night, and uh, and and engage people. I think the you know it's half half of it's making the drinks, and half of it is. Speaking with the customers, understanding what they want, and trying to make them have the best experience possible. Someday we ought to do a program with you on just some of the things you hear and have heard. <laughs> oh, as, I can tell you stories from last night. Uh, <laughs> believe me, I'll bet you can. You have to be a good listener, that's for sure. Yeah, you have to know when to when to talk and uh, when not to. Yeah, right. for sure. And Heather, what would one of these programs be without talking about pizza? <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> it seems Every like show. we can't avoid it. Um, in this case, we're talking about Pie Guy Pizza in the Grove, um, opened recently right next door to Gazelig uh, Taproom Bottle Shop. And it's actually connected to Gazelig. There's a big uh, doorway you can walk through into either place. You can bring your pizza into the bottle shop to sit and enjoy, um, which is great. But the main thing for me about this place is that the close time on Friday and Saturday nights is 3 a.m., which is so nice. <laughs> In, Even Matt, after working, has done exactly. To go exactly. St. Louis is notoriously light on late night places, mm-hmm. and late night here means it closes at midnight most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pie Guy closes at midnight on their weeknights, and then 3:30, like I said, on Friday and Saturday. Um, so you can get a whole pizza, 18 uh, inch pies, or New York style. 
um, or four or five dollar uh, slices. And the options are cheese, pepperoni, sausage, or a veggie pizza, which is made with green olive and artichoke. The pizzas are pretty simple. Mm-hmm. They're giant slices. It has a sturdy sour go- sourdough crust, um, a house tomato sauce, and mozzarella cheese. It's it's pretty uh, no frills, um, but exactly what you want at three thirty a.m. when you're trying to leave the Grove. <laughs> but why why is uh, St. Louis behind other cities in this late night establishment? You know, we've talked about that before. I think part of the reason is that we're pretty spread out. Everybody drives here. Public transportation mm-hmm. is. Um, I mean, we have it, but it, it could be better than it is. Um, so that's an obstacle. And otherwise, I don't know because yeah. I would go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I mean, I I probably would too because I find myself out and about. You know, at late night, um, you know, quite a bit, and uh, yeah, I think what Heather said is really true, and, and also I think uh, we're, we're also like a little bit more generally maybe a conservative market, uh, and there's right. not as many people who are out and about, and our neighborhoods, as she said, are very spread out. So you know, if you were in New York City, you just jump on the train, and go somewhere else. We have a minute left, and I had a, a not great experience at a well-known restaurant recently, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to go back because of it. How many chances, Matt, I'll ask you both very quickly, mm-hmm. how many chances do you give a place if you haven't been happy the first time? Honestly, with the, with as many good places we have in St. Louis, I give them once. If you can't execute um, well the first time, I'm probably not going to go back, and I think a lot of people have that, that, that idea as well. Heather, what do you think? Um, I think it depends. I mean, it's it's hard to be consistent in a restaurant. Think about how hard it is to make the same dish twice at home in in the same way. Um, they're working with a lot of obstacles. That, on the other hand, that doesn't mean that you want to spend your money <laughs> for something that you, you don't trust is going to be good. I, I give places at least a few times, um, especially, you know, if they're extenuating circumstances, it's if just, it's super busy. Yeah, I like to caveat that like by that. saying that, yeah, if it's, if it's a, like if I go in on a Saturday night and I'm not, my water glass hasn't been refilled for 15 minutes, that's totally fine. Yeah. Right. You right. Know. Well, it just shows what a tough business that is. You have to be consistent, uh, no question about it. Yeah. Heather Hughes and Matt Sorrell, thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you again soon, I hope. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.